Welcome along to the Down About Down podcast with me, your host, Chris Scott. Thank you once again for joining me here. In this podcast, I travel over to Saintfield in County Down to speak to a lady who has adopted County Down as her home. The top floor art gallery and open studios are located at 92 Main Street in Saintfield, and that's where I met up with the very talented Emma Whitehead, originally from Belfast, but a resident of the Strangford area for the past 25 years. Emma's described as a textile artist who uses traditional and innovative embroidery techniques to create three-dimensional artworks. Emma also teaches and works with textile groups. Repurposing, reusing, recycling and art projects is very much her central theme. Remember Granny's Button Box? Well, Emma reveals in this podcast how her interest in this art all started. She also talks about the work in progress in creating the largest linen tablecloth in Northern Ireland. Yes, the largest linen tablecloth in Northern Ireland. That's a project with the Linen Banali. Time of recording the interview, Emma was also working with eight others in her studio, all feeding off each other's creativity. And adorning that studio wall was one quilt that caught my eye. Emma talks about how the quilt came about into fruition after a life-changing diagnosis. Join Emma in conversation with me after this. Welcome to the Down About Down podcast from County Down, Northern Ireland, with your host Chris Scott. For your ears only. I was going to say a stitch in time saves nine because it's the only thing that I can think that's very close to to what we're going to talk about next. I'm going to welcome Emma Whitehead uh, onto the Down About Down podcast. Welcome, Emma. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. I was walking through Saintfield last week and I decided to go into a little antique shop in the corner and then I went upstairs. And I think I've been to loads of Aladdin's cave in my life, but nothing like this one, Emma. Explain to us where we are in Seinfeld at the minute. Okay, so um, we're in Top Floor Arch, Open Studios and Gallery, and that is above Agar Antiques. We're in the two floors um, above the antique shop, and we are open studios so people can come in and see us working. And we show the work of makers who live and work in Northern Ireland and our own art. And we do a little bit of vintage and new haberdashery because we have a textile group here. Um, and we sell some vintage and mid-century mostly, uh, small bits of furniture and bits and pieces. You're described on, on social media and the internet as a textile artist, designer and teacher from County Down. What part of County Down are you from? Originally from Belfast, but the County Down side. <laughs> and then <laughs> I've been in um, Strangford for the past, oh Lord, when I think about this, um, well over 20 years, over 25 years, um, in nice bit of Strangford, um, just outside the village and opposite Castle Ward. Uh, when I called in last week, you looked as if you're working on some sort of, I would not having any knowledge of this, it looked to me like some sort of tapestry uh, and you were putting like names on it, but it wasn't really a tapestry. Uh, describe what we were doing last week when we met. Um, well, I'm doing a project with for the Linen Biennale, um, which this year is the Linen Biennale 2023. They started in 2018 and they're a great um They're a great platform and program for all that is linen and textiles across Northern Ireland. And they got in touch with me about a project because they've been receiving donations of linen, all sorts of donations from the tiniest sort of handkerchief, linen handkerchief to huge tablecloths. And they, they're they very keen on repurposing and reusing and recycling as I am in my 
art practice. So they said, could we make um, design a project making the longest linen tablecloth in Northern Ireland? So we're going to put together all these donations um, into one huge tablecloth and we're going to have community involvement and public engagement so there'll be opportunities for people to um, stitch and draw on um, linen napkins that will become a big runner to go down the middle of this tablecloth. Um, so there's uh, so the names that I was stitching were from the launch of the Linen Biennale um, and at the launch um, we invited everybody just to to write their signature on a damask linen tablecloth and then um, we would stitch it up. But this is the prototype for if a group wants to do their own, um, we will be creating packs where they can access the linen and threads and they can stitch up and they can tell their story of linen. It's all based on linen memories. Um, and everybody in Northern Ireland, if you ask them, you might need to prod them a little bit, but soon their memories of linen fall out of them as if, um, you know, maybe it's a shirt factory, maybe it's, um, you know, um, selling linen. Maybe somebody has, well, a lot of people have linen in their hot press. I mean, that's, and you take it out and look at it and think, what will I do with that? Well, we're all for doing something with it. Are you allowed to tell us how long this is going to be or is that a secret? <laughs> well, um, there's a longest cotton linen or a, a longest cotton tablecloth record. There is a longest table record, but I don't know that there's a longest linen tablecloth record. But what we're really interested in is using um, using these linens that have been donated because what would we do with them otherwise? So, um, and also highlighting the history of linen and, and the and the effects and effects that it has on the people of Northern Ireland. Yeah. I, I'm going to take you back. Uh, we'll, we'll come back to that again, but I'm going to take you back. You know, where did all this interest come from? You know, when I walk into this place, there's everything there it's it's like an antique shop for the the sewing industry and everything there there there's little i, I was asking you earlier about this little wooden batten type thing and what that was used for you have thimbles you have buttons everything that i've seen in my mum's house and all those drawers is here on display where has all this interest come from well my interest in textiles um has come from if you ask anybody in in that sort of world they had a granny or a mother or an aunt and those people could turn their hand they could turn their hand to anything they were makers they um sewed clothes um they crocheted they knitted they did you know an awful lot and i learnt some of those skills um from my grandmother um but it really was the passion for trying trying new things but the the vintage haberdashery um tools and what there's so much of it out there um, that is knocking about in people's, you know, their granny's sewing box. <laughs> and there are there are tools that I have had that have come in to the shop and I have really had to work hard to try and discover what it was for. Wow. So you're not on your own there. <laughs> yeah. um, but <laughs> there's a wealth of knowledge out there about these things. You know, there's lace makers. There's still a lace makers guild. There's, you know... Um, Spinners, Weavers and Dyers guilds, there's the Embroidery guilds. There are people, I think, all over Northern Ireland who are 
very, very keen on making and on textiles in particular. I think it's part of the the blood of, of Northern Ireland people that, um, you know, and even if they're not um, actually making, they they still have a story to tell. And what I'm really interested in is the stories that come out from maybe these objects. Um, so, I mean, I can't imagine that anybody doesn't have a smile on their face if they remember their granny's button box. Oh, yes. Everybody. <laughs> I mean, and it was what was brought out as the entertainment. That's right. <laughs> yes. That's right. I used to spend my, my childhood stringing them together, all the same types of buttons. Yep, yeah. that's it. That's, that's right. it. Yeah. Um, so it do really does evoke memories and the packaging. <laughs> um, they had such beautiful boxes. They had, I mean... Things were well made. What we try to do is to um, offer people tools, haberdashery, that they can use. So, um, for example, we do vintage scissors here. And we um, try to sell any scissors that are here available for sale are reconditioned and resharpened so that they can be used. So I'm interested, I'm very interested in the mystery of that, you know, weird object that you don't know what it's for <laughs> and finding out what it is for and then the purpose and, and how it can be used. I also think there's a great um, yearning now among people to work with their hands. So you get a lot of people coming in um, that maybe want to and maybe they've tried a kit or two um, um i mean kits do have their place and are very popular these days but um in my experience <laughs> either with me it was either a kit was half done and i got bored or a kit was half done and then i decided to go off in a different direction so i'm very much encouraging people just to have a go you know just to start um whether it's stitching or felting or whatever just to give it a go, give it a start, not worry too much about what it looks like, but just to keep going. Yeah, That's really interesting. Do you think that this thing about people's hands has all come in through COVID because there's nothing else to do? <laughs> yeah, we were all a bit twiddling in our thumbs, weren't we? Um, yes, I do think there was, there was quite a resurgence, um, a surge of interest in things that people could do at home. And I think also there was... A yearning to be together again and there I mean there are groups and textile I mean the textile group here our studio group there's eight of us in that and um, we really feed off each other's creativity and we also um, you know help each other whatever level everybody is at there's you can you know, show somebody something and maybe get a little hint or tip or a nudge. And also the, the wealth of experience there is in people, you know, that they don't necessarily talk about in everyday conversation. But if you get them on the right topic, then, you know, it's it's a treasure trove. Yeah. So, so within the class, I mean, there's a class on today, just just as we're, we're talking. So, I mean, are they all different genres? Are they all doing the one thing or is there a theme setting? And how do, how do they even start? Well, there is a theme for um, today's workshop because we're doing it as part of August Craft Month. So August in Northern Ireland is the big month for all crafts, glass, um, ceramics, there's exhibitions, there's lectures, there's talks, there's um, workshops. So it's if if you're at all interested 
um, I would go and look on the August Craft Month website, that's Craft NI. And there is, uh, it's also, as I said, the Linen Biennale. So our workshop is, um, what's happening downstairs is um, our participants are learning, they brought in old photographs um, of, you know, relatives, mothers, grandmothers, and what they're doing is learning to transfer that image onto a bit of material so they can sew a line portrait. Yeah, so that's what they're doing at the moment. And that is with our facilitator, um, JL McColgan. She is one of our studio group. So. Chatting with Chris on the Down About Down podcast. That's fascinating. Now, as I looked around your room, where you're working there, there's something that caught my eye on the wall, and it was an eclectic mix of everything on it. I, I had no clue. I mean, there were, there looked like bits of empty pill cartons. Uh, I, I don't really know what was going on there. I, explain to me what that was. Okay, so that quilt I did. So um, about five years ago, I had um, what they call a life-changing diagnosis. So I got breast cancer and I had to have um, a mastectomy and um, I was treated for it. So I had chemo and radiotherapy. Oh, they threw the works at me. Um, And (laughs) in my way, my artist's way, I thought, wouldn't it be cool if I kept all the packaging from all the pills and, you know, the bits and bobs and everything like that um, and did something with them just uh, as not even testament, just to acknowledge, you know, all the stuff. Um, And I do think, I mean, the NHS is so under pressure at the moment, but um, what really, really got to me was the amount of one-use plastic, foils, things like that. So um, I ended up collecting all this stuff and I had a huge pile and still do because, because... even today, I cannot throw out, you know, if I've got a headache and have some paracetamol, I cannot throw out the foils in the box. I have to keep it because I'll use it at some point and it'll not go into landfill. Anyway, um, in re- thinking about this, I um, designed and made a big quilt, so a big wall hanging piece. Um, <laughs> my friend uh, nicked a sheet, bed sheet for me from the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> so I could I could sew on the on yeah, the yeah, yeah, hospital yeah. sheet, and um, I sewed. Um, I I got actually um, the University of Atypical gave me a grant, the Ido Award, um, and I was able to get a sewing machine for that um, from that money, and that because I had trouble with my hands, so I wasn't doing as much hand sewing. So I in that quilt. It's not my usual sort of work, um, but I did a lot of machine quilting on that. So drawn with the the machine rather than stitching by hand, although there is hand stitching in it. Um, and I was very grateful for that because that got, got me over that hump of, oh, I can't use my hands so much. How will I create? Um, and uh, yeah, it was so it's it's very colourful in its own way. There's a lot of red in it um, and there's a lot of these these foil packets. And I mean, even you see, if you, you look, if you go for your pres- prescription down to the chemist and the bag, um, I now know the colours, you know, very well of the packaging. But also um, on a lot of things, you get this little sort of head and it says, mind your head 
on the the paper bag. Um, you see, I'm very familiar with all this stuff now because yeah, yeah. I've been yeah, working yeah. with it. Um, so, and um, another example is I was I was um, prescribed vitamin D because they thought I was low in vitamin D, and it had. Um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whatever, AM, PM. So I was very interested in time around that. Um, and yeah, no, it was just uh, a good, I think it was, I think it was a good way for me to process what was happening to me that came out in something physical and something from my hands. And probably something that other people in that position, unfortunately, may may learn from that or may take take some sort of inspiration from it perhaps that it is a journey and do you do you still add to it is, is that finished that's that's very tempting um it's up on the wall so i don't add to it <laughs> if i had it time, yeah yeah i mean they say you're never finished with it, it sometimes work needs to be taken off you right. <laughs> you can overdo it um as to inspiration for other people i think everybody's what i learned was that everybody who has a diagnosis like that within, you know, if it's cancer, it's even within breast cancer, it's all very different for everybody. And they have to manage their own way of, of, you know, going through that. So I would be very respectful of, you know, anybody's way of managing that. Yeah. Butterflies is important to you as well, because everywhere I look, there are butterflies. Yes. Um, Okay, well, there's there's two things about the butterflies. So um, years ago, I was given a load of maps. Um, and I think they were from maybe a long distance lorry driver who had moved over to, to digital. Mm-hmm. And I, but so these were all European atlases and things like that and ways through European cities. And, and I thought, oh, I'll have to do something with those. Um, so I came up with this idea for map butterflies. Um, because everybody loves a butterfly. Uh, so I made butterflies from the maps and they sort of caught on. There were two types. There were very heavily worked embroidered ones that were on um, linen, but using the actual physical paper, stitch, stitching into it. Um, and then there were other wee ones that were pure paper um, with a bead in the middle. And it become very um, popular, especially with... There was lots of people who sort of came and said, oh, my wee Johnny or whoever is going off to university, do one of these for them. And it, it would be so I would source a map that had, you know, their home address on, on it. You know, you could see where they came from. So, yeah. So that's where the butterflies originated from. And then um, when actually I was. Um, and you know along the same time as the quilt and after the breast cancer and everything like that I had a mastectomy so um, none of I had lovely underwear I had lovely lacy underwear and none of it was any good anymore (laughs) so I thought I'll have to I'm big into recycling I'll have to do something with this so I made bra butterflies so I made a sculpture and I was in treatment at Belfast City Hospital and they um, showed it for me for a while um, in front of, uh, as part of their exhibition and in front of Patients A and it was on display there for a while so I did the bra butterflies. 
Chris Scott on the Down About Down podcast. Exhibiting, you're no stranger to that, Emma. I mean, you have had uh, exhibitions, I believe, in Berlin, am I right? Or down Patrick, I mean, all over. Um, I did exhibit in Berlin and that was a lovely, lovely thing. That was with Flaxmill Textiles, um, who are... Uh, Herman and Marion, who were in Dungiven for a long, long time. Um, beautiful, beautiful linen and beautiful weavers. Um, and they were German, so they had a place in Berlin. And I um, went out there and um, I was part of their fashion show as well. <laughs> and uh, an exhibition there. It was brilliant. And they've they've actually come back to um, Donegal, I think think okay. so the, they were done given them back to Berlin uh, to Germany and then they've come back again um and their linen I mean their weaving is to die for it's really lovely lovely stuff um at the moment we've got the studio group have an exhibition in down art center um so that was um a lovely project coming out of lockdown our studio group there's eight of us and um, we all felt a bit steel um, in our as if we needed something to help us get going with our creativity so we designed this project wherein um, we would each nominate an international textile artist whose work we liked okay. um, and then because we're very democratic we decided we'd vote for the favourites and there were four artists that came out of that and then we decided to give ourselves two years to explore their practice, their work, what they did, and for us to make work in response to that. So we weren't copying. We were really trying to find out about their techniques and the way they thought and, um, you know, how they use textiles for their messages. Um, it was a great project. Um, we got in touch with... Um, the three three of the international textile artists so um, there was um, an artist from Portugal one from California um, another one from the Netherlands and then Ichiku Kabuta who uh, sadly is no longer with us but there's the Kabuta collection in Japan so um, the living artists were to, they were lovely they were really supportive and said oh send pictures send pictures <laughs> of what work you know we would be making in response to their work and the Kabuto collection they were delighted to and so we got a, a really good response from them um we had a lot of collaboration collaborative projects within this so we worked as um a collaboration so um, for example there's a couple of pieces where everybody worked together so all eight of us were working on on um, pieces and then there were other pieces that um, you know one of us would take the lead as an artist and take responsibility for the for how that um, piece was going to grow and would be asking other people within the group you know can you make this can you make this and there were <laughs> there's a fabulous cloak and um it became a, a performance piece on the night of the launch um, and that was the lead artist and that was Linda Kelly and we, none of us, we knew it was going to be a cloak um, but none of us knew what it would look like until the actual 
day of the launch. Yeah. And that's Linda from Killalay. That is Linda yeah. from yeah. Killalay. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and um, she had a she made a mask as well, which is more than a mask. I mean, it's like a sculpture, and um, she put it on and um, walked around in it and on the night. So it, it was fabulous. And that exhibition's on till the end of August Craft Month so it's on I think until the 26th of August so I would say go and see it it's had a great response we've had a great response um, about it um, but it's yeah it's good and do you know what was really good was having that period of time you know two years to really work on a project and really produce you know, you took the words out of my when you said about these international. I wonder, did you actually contact them? But the world's so small now. Yeah. I mean, these people are only an email away, possibly. But you, did were you able to interrogate them? Uh, you know, it's like us reading James Joyce at school for O level, and you read this book, and you had to look at all the subject of Gring that he had introduced in or whatever, and what he was thinking. But I would always have loved to spoke to James Joyce because I'm sure half of it he had no intentions of it. Was it you, you know what I'm getting at? Did you get to speak to the artists about actually their thought processes and their their productions? Um, we did. Yeah, with Miriam um, from the Netherlands, we had we had known of her before, and she was very into eco printing, uh, eco dyeing. Um, this is we're very interested in eco eco dyeing is using um, natural um, elements. So even if you go out to your garden, I mean, we literally did this. We went to uh, I think it was Linda's again, Linda's garden, and we collected up all the plants. Didn't matter what it was, leaves, flowers, whatever. And it is like um, a bit like flower pressing, but you're doing it on the material. And if you use mordants, which are the things that make dye fast, the colour from the flower or the colour from the leaf um, can permanently go onto the material. So, yes, we we um, we used a lot of those processes. So we were, we were very interested in the, you know, how... The artist worked. For example, there's Michael Sylvan Robinson. Um, he was the American artist, and he's an activist, and uses a lot of text in his work, um, and uses a lot of sim- symbolic eyes, and it's all very heavily embellished. And oh, it's beautiful, beautiful stuff. Um, what we want our our, exhi- our exhibition's called "Be Inspired." What we wanted to do was show how inspired we were, but we wanted to pass it on. So we do a lot of facilitation um, with um, community organisations, community groups, and we were working with Glebe House and um, they wanted to make a banner and we decided to use our inspiration that we'd pulled from Michael Sullivan Robinson (laughs) um, to do the Our Voices project with them. So it was based on colloquialisms and, you know, the words that they would use and sayings that are very much of Northern Ireland. Um, And they made this fantastic quilt. Uh, There was real engagement with it and everybody had a go. You know, if they could do, you know, a stitch or two, it you know it was all so um it was it was really good and they were really keen and then we asked them if they would show the quilt their um banner in our exhibition so it's in there as well we were delighted when they said yes so we've got our work we've got their work and yeah maybe you don't want to reveal what's in what's what your future plans are but what's in the pipeline at the moment perhaps you know is there what what where are you moving from here where am i moving <laughs> what's in the pipeline do you know things come up things do come up um i do 
in my own practice quite a few commissions because I'm very interested in not only, you know, using maps um, and where people are from, but also, for example, what somebody might have in their back. I mean, I've done commissions where um, somebody's brought me a piece of jewellery and it has been broken. But, you know, if they've taken it to a jeweller, it costs more to get it fixed than the worth of the piece. Um, so they come to me and ask me if I can put it into an artwork. Um, so I have really lovely, lovely commissions. I'm very interested in the stories that people bring to me as much yeah. as yeah. as anything. Yeah. So we work through that together. I've had, um, you know, su- surprises for anniversaries and things. But I had one family, and it was a family matter. Um, they wanted uh, a commission for um, one member of their family who was having a big, significant birthday. Right. And um, they were all over in England and I got packages sent to me of um, just bits and pieces like earrings. You know, there was the dog, the tags off the dog's lead, you know, his collar um, things like that. And I think the only thing I provided in that commission was the linen and the stitching. They gave me all the material to put into it. So that's really that's a privilege, really, because you're finding out, you know, about people and yeah, yeah. almost like intruding isn't it, isn't it, it almost? is a bit it is satisfies my curiosity <laughs> yeah and when i look when i look around the walls there's other things adorn the walls like like bits of clocks or watches and things like that you have all those in display and there's elsewhere lots of other things going on around those as well yeah well i i did i've had a very busy year and i had um uh, i was lucky enough to get uh, a residency with the Wallace Collection through our space. And the Wallace Collection is a fantastic um, museum in London. And what I got to do was go over <laughs> and play with all their curators and see around the front of house and the back bits of the Wallace Collection. Um, Wallace, you would know from Wallace High School and Wallace Park, and he has great links with Lisburn. Sir Richard Wallace, for Sir anyone who, who's never heard of him, yeah. Yes, yeah. Sir Richard Wallace. He was a very interesting character indeed. Um, anyway, the Wallace residency has been uh, um, running for, I think I was the sixth year of it, and um, I had a whale of a time over in London, but then I had to come back and make work in response to it. <laughs> well, my theme and the irony here is my theme was time frame. <laughs> so um, so uh, what I did was I do explore um, measurement and time in that exhibition. It was all about the different ways that people have the compulsion to measure time because it was an, a necessity. I mean, people's lives depended on it. If you think about, you know, your almanac that would have shown you when to sow, uh, when to harvest, um, you know, the like the stars and the moon and things like that, and how time and measuring time has changed from it, it definitely in your your sort of European area it would have been a religious affair. So if you wanted to know what time it was, you would have gone to your local um, monks or whatever, and there would be one poor guy who would have responsibility for knowing what time it was because it was all different wherever you were. There was no there was no standardisation. So this guy would you'd be saying, well, what time is it? And he'd be looking 
across from the cloisters to say a juniper bush over there and when one star was over there he could have told you that it was you know time for matins do you, do you get what it is i do i've never actually thought of well, that it would have been completely yeah. different Absolutely. in another another yeah. monastery it would have been a completely different kettle of fish um, because they would have and they wrote down all these notes about I mean these things exist about you know what time it is it, because what they were doing was um, parceling out their days and nights in terms of prayers so they knew it now the the local populace would have known I mean there was you know there were sundials and things like that but would have known from um, you know oral history and things um, and then they they turned into almanacs. And in the Wallace collection, there is an almanac of um, Louis the Fifteenth. So that was it's a beautiful thing. It's you know ceramic, and you can pull it. It's got all the saints' days on it, and you can pull out um, little ceramic plaques, lo loads of gilding, and you pull this out, and you you know put that date in there. And yeah. so it wasn't just. So I'm very interested. Yes, I am interested in. Um, you know the mechanics of clocks and watches and I did do a stint um, I went for a week because I thought I should put my money where my mouth was with the British Horological Institute which are the they are the pinnacle of um, watchmakers you know they're where everybody goes to get the good training um, and I learned there how to um, strip and rebuild a hunter watch so uh yes you are a lady with so many talents well, i don't know about talents I'm, I'm willing to try i'm curious i'm curious i'm wanting to try things uh, don't bring me your watches i will not know how to repair them <laughs> <laughs> which brings me uh, well, well we'll conclude some but you know i just walked in off the street i was actually looking at the antique shop and they sent me upstairs to have a look so for anyone who's passing by emma is it possible just to walk in off the street and come in and say hello and, and see what happens here it is indeed yeah we're open um from wednesday to saturday and 11 till 5 but we're on a tuesday we usually have a studio day um but if the doors open come on come on up and have a chat <laughs> emma that's absolutely fascinating i think i could talk to you all day i've learned so much just just from this conversation but thank you for taking the time to speak to me okay, well thank you very much <laughs> and, and just before we conclude for anyone who wants to get in touch then what's the best way of, of getting in touch um so we our email is well the website is top floor art and our email is info at topfloorart.co.uk and um we you can ring us we're on online so you can google searches and ring us and um we're always up for a chat and you can call in and you can see um you know we have um Stephen my partner who runs the place with me he's in St George's Market the weekends um and yeah we're yeah always open for to hear what people are about <laughs> Emma that's brilliant thank you so much okay thank you Thank you once again to Emma Whitehead, a very talented lady oozing with creativity and positivity. If you would like to find out more, then have a look at the website, Top Floor Art, or pop along to the studio situated at 92 Main Street, St. Field in County Down. That's Wednesday to Saturday, 11am to 5pm. And that's another podcast completed on the Down About Down podcast with me, your host, Chris Scott. If you'd like to pop along for a chat sometime, look up the Facebook site, Down About Down podcast, and drop me a message look forward to hearing from you. In the meantime, keep safe and keep listening.
You've been listening to Down About Down Podcast, hosted and produced by Chris Scott, for your ears only. If you would like to get in touch with Chris at the Down About Down Podcast, then email downaboutdown at outlook.com. 